Through Alpern, the team of brass. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this Friday edition uh, of uh, this Friday edition of Fangraphs Audio is a writer for Bullpen Banter, Fangraphs, and Rotographs, and a resident of Rhode Island, which is relevant at some level. His name is Al Skarupa. And what follows, Al Skarupa helps us out with a number of amateur prospects, college amateur prospects, or uh, or prospects who have just transitioned from amateurs or are about to transition from amateurs into professionals. Of course, we're at an interesting uh, time of the season for college prospects right now because not only does the College World Series begin this weekend, uh, that is to say, Saturday, June 15th, the, the final eight teams have congregated in Omaha. Not only does that uh, does that tournament begin, and will it feature uh, a number of players who've already been drafted by professional teams or who will certainly be drafted in, in the, the coming upcoming years, uh, but it's also this past week, this past week on Wednesday, uh, marked the beginning of the Cape League season, uh, the uh, collegiate summer woodbat league that uh, that takes place out in Cape Cod and serves as the summer home uh, to many of uh, the uh, top professional prospects of baseball future. Uh, what we do, uh, we talk about the College World Series a little bit. Of, uh, I say, Al Skarupa, please help me understand the format of, in terms of qualifying in particular. Another thing we do that I think uh, works well is we look at some of last year's top performers in the Cape, and uh, we follow up. We say, where where is this guy? Who has he been drafted by, etc.? But this is no, I, you don't need me to say any more, so I'll stop. It is Fangraphs Audio, features prospect writer Al Skarupa talking about college prospects, and it begins right now. About a line uh, that I came across in, I think, a piece you wrote on Thursday. I think it was sure. a Thursday uh, about with regard to Miguel Sano. Is that right? Yep. And I think it. I don't know how long this part of this could be a five-second question. It could could take up the whole podcast. The, the The question is this though. You made an interesting point. Now you go on. You talk about Sano's power. You regard Sano's power as as being very real. Um, and I think it's 80 power. You say right? Yep. And I should clarify for any listener who's. Uh, uh, you know, not particularly well studied on prospects. This is third base prospect for the Twins, Miguel Sano. Uh, uh, one of the two subjects, I believe, of the documentary Pelotero. Yes, he was. Yeah, right. And um, notable for a number of reasons. Twins fans are excited about him. Uh, one thing you discuss, though, is at some points is a certain feeling you have when you witness a a player with a tool that is an 80, that's 20 to 80 on the scouting scale, this is essentially, um, if I'm not mistaken, an 80, that means it's three standard deviations above what you'd expect the yep, league average to be. that's generally the scale. Yep. Yeah, right, and so that means, that, you know, this is the 1% of the 1%, essentially, fairly highly rated. But you have a mm-hmm. sort of, it's almost a sort of disap- disappointing feeling in some cases, and I was wondering if you would expand on that or, or maybe, you know, just a, uh, lay it out so that anyone who maybe um, hadn't read that piece you would get a sense of what you were you were sort of talking about. Uh, sure. Um, I mean, it's just I've had a few conversations with scouts about it. Like I said, I'm a writer um, first and foremost, so I, I do care a lot about that. I think it's an important part of the job I do. But um, even talking with scouts about it, they felt the same sort of way that uh, it's um. You know, obviously, an 82 is a top of the line tool and um, does stand out. But it, you know, it's a reluctance you find to want to give that. Some people just don't give out eights. You know, um, 
it just doesn't stand out anything crazy like you'd think it would. I mean, you see players like that in uh, Mike Stanton, but what's the difference between that and, like, a 70? Nothing, you know, absurd. Right, there's almost... Same thing a, with runners, too, you know, same sort of thing. Right, and it, but there's almost a sense that you you would expect as a prospect writer or, or maybe as a scout. I know you're just speaking for yourself and, and of course, mm-hmm. some anecdotes from scouts. But it, there's a sense that if you come across the 80 and you see this in person... Uh, there's almost a sense that there should be a parade or something when you right. when you yeah. witness it, and yet, and yet it's just it just happens to be a standard deviation above a seventy. Right, um, that's what I was trying to express in the article. That sort of feeling, um, and you just you don't want to give the grade out, you know. But again, not really my specialty to give out grades. But someone has to have it. I mean, so it it belongs to someone. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. And I guess this is sort of indicative. You could speak to this as a writer um, who, who's excited about prospects. Do you always sort of feel like, or maybe I'm maybe I'm overstating the case, but do you sort of feel like you are on a search for a perfect player sort of thing? Yeah, perfect yeah, player absolutely. or some combination. There's kind of like there's mm-hmm. a, like a holy grail out there, and it should it should uh, announce itself. It should proclaim itself. But maybe, but maybe that thing doesn't really exist. Well, I mean, Bryce Harper and Mike Trout are pretty good. But even so, when you're looking at, like, amateurs, it doesn't really... Guys still don't pop like that. There are a lot of people who doubted Trout, you know. And it's the same sort of thing. It's I think a lot of it is a reluctance to give out those grades. But you are you do have this image in your head, at least I do, of what a perfect player should be. And you, you never really see it. Does this in any way reveal your motivations personally as to what excites you about prospect writing? And if not, then what does excite you about prospect analysis? Oh uh, no, I would say that does that definitely is a part of the motivation for me. Um, I, I just I like making sense of uh, disorder. You know, <laughs> I, I'm a problem solver by nature. I think so. It's nice to look at a bunch of players like that and try to make calls on what's going to happen. Well, and I guess human it, beings, it's a very interesting process. Right, and if you're looking for disorder, prospect analysis is, is, is a great place to start because just because of the sheer number of individuals involved in it. I mean, involved, because, you mm-hmm. know, like, for example, we just saw the Major League Draft. This is 40 rounds of 30 teams each drafting players, and, you know, this that's the short draft, right, because it's mm-hmm. gone up to 60 rounds before. So, And then you have international... Uh, free agents beyond that. So if you're looking for disorder, trying to make sense of prospects seems like it would be a good place to start. Mm-hmm. And uh, is. Yeah, so I guess I guess that's, uh, uh, that, that, you know, you just have so much data to, to sort of parse there. Um, now, one of the things that happened recently, of course, well, look, the, the draft is there, and we might talk about it, we might not. It's In, in some sense, it's so big uh, to sort of cherry-pick one or two names almost seems right. like not doing it any service. I, I mean, briefly on the draft, though, it seems like there are two entry points uh, for, for which people could sort of uh, access the draft. And one of them is one of them is probably the way that most people do it, which is you have a team allegiance, and then you and then you look at the players that your team has drafted and become acquainted with them. Um, yep. That Absolutely. seems like one. Most one, people do that. Yeah, right. That's one way. And then the other way is sort of the, the process that you use, I guess, which is to be is to be as well acquainted. Uh, as you can with as many prospects as you can. I, I try. My my knowledge lies more to the college side, especially after the first couple rounds. But yeah, 
um, you know, it's it's more product of me seeing certain leagues, certain players, and then seeing where they go. So when you're doing the live draft, are there just certain players who are selected, and you're like, "Yep, he's probably good," or not? Or I mean, how does that work? Um, pretty much, <laughs> uh, mostly busy typing during the draft, uh, tweeting and uh, chatting, etc. But I have, for a lot of guys, I have some idea where they're going to go, and I also. It, in later rounds, I keep an eye on local guys. Keeps me interested too. Right, and we could, we could get into some of your terrain uh, uh, in a little bit. Now, in terms of making sense of something that does not immediately make sense, uh, or just you know something that seems disorderly, I would like to because I would like to talk about the College World Series. Okay, mm-hmm. um, the College World Series seems appealing because there will be. Uh, players in it. I mean, first of all, it's it's baseball. Second of all, we know that these are the, uh, you know, by one designation or another, these are the best teams in college sure. or among the best. Uh, and we know, and, uh, and and I should say it's starting Saturday. I believe it starts tomorrow with the official like. Yep. I don't even know what you call that round. What is that round called? I mean, we're really in the college world series now. Just the the opening round of it. Um, before this is the super regionals and regionals. Which okay. is postseason, but not college world series. Okay, so so it's sort of like if we were to equate it to basketball, you have like the conference championships. Sure, right? I would say the previous rounds. Well, I mean it's mixed conferences, but that would probably equate more to the conference championship level. Okay, all right. So so let me start by asking you right now: How many teams this weekend is the is the uh, college world series? How many teams participate in that? In the college world series, there's eight. Okay, so there's eight teams that will be in that go to Omaha. Now, how did those eight teams get there? How many sort of how many started in the in what we're calling the the sort of postseason type of play? Uh, Sixty four start off in the regional play, and two advance from each region. They move on to super regionals. Each super regional has a winner. Okay, and so when you said that with those regions, how many regionals are there? Uh, Sixteen. Okay, so we start off. So we have sixteen regionals, and then I guess there are what there are four teams in each of those. Those get whittled down to. To 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 blah 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 to two and then they, and then they play the super regional and then so the the eight uh, champions of the super regionals come. Yep. Okay. It, it's a strange event, right? Because like like I mentioned, it 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 does play host to many uh, or you know at least some players who will be in the major leagues at some point. Um, and yet I don't know what the I don't know what the mystery is. I feel I myself feel embarrassed. I don't know the rules, and yet. Um, mm-hmm. and I, but at the same time, it seems like maybe it's gaining popularity. Is, is that fair to say? Uh, it's definitely in the upswing, I would say. Uh, I think part of the problem is marketing-wise. One thing I'd really like to see them do, too, is spread out the geography of it. It seems like there's they're always in the same regional sites and super regional sites in particular, um, like Tallahassee every year. You know, uh, They wouldn't, the teams at formal, obviously, but it... The entire setup of college baseball, and a lot of northern teams feel this way, is set up in a way, and the schedule is in such a way that it favors warm weather teams. Right and now, in that know, sort of thing, yeah. I, I mean, I think it'd be great if they put just made sure there was a regional in New York area, New York City area every year, for instance. I think that'd be great for the game. Now, does it, does a team from that region, from from New England or or the Northeast, automatically get in every year? I mean, actually, looking well, at the, the, the yeah. brackets right now, I'm guessing kind of not. Not really, no. Uh, they, I mean, you have to win your conference, so there's lots with the geographical footprint up here, but not so much um, 
not always successful programs every year and, and year in year out. Okay, so I see I've seen that the teams that are involved are uh, that are in Omaha now start playing mm-hmm. Saturday. Indiana, Louisville, LSU, uh, Mississippi State, North Carolina, NC State, Oregon State, and UCLA. This is accurate. Okay, now that's obviously eight teams. There are a bunch of players on all those teams. I don't need to know any of those, every player on every team. But do you have a sense of uh, are there are there going to be players that, were, for example, were just selected in the draft? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, so who's yeah. so who's uh, like who are a couple guys that I should be looking for? Well, Colin Moran on uh, North Carolina obviously went sixth to the Marlins. Okay. And please, He's, please uh, make sure it's not going to be obvious necessarily when you're talking to me. So, 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 all right. So, so Colin Moran uh, plays for UNC. Tell me a little bit about Colin Moran. Uh, he's a third baseman, not overly physical, but really, really can hit. Um, been on Bourne in the Cape League the last couple of years. I've seen quite a bit of him. Uh, very good player. Um, safe college pick for that point, but you're going to get a good third baseman. And you said he went. You said he went sixth overall. Yes. So you say that, so he doesn't necessarily sound uh, super impressive. Uh, it doesn't sound like, for example, um, uh, who's this who went uh, number two overall to the to the Cubs? Uh, Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant, and he seems to have a real standout tool uh, with with power. Yes, he does. And we're not seeing that necessarily uh, well, with with, with Bryant. The hit tool is very advanced. He can definitely, you know, he hits everything. Um, gets hits velocity. Hits premium pitching. Get soft stuff, great control of the strike zone. I've seen him get in some stretches where he gets a little pull happy and leaves himself vulnerable to breaking stuff. But for the most part, he really identifies pitches well, hits everything. Okay, so um, so a strong. I'm sure he would get a very high grade. Okay, so strong, so a strong hitter, but not necessarily like uh, um, not necessarily going to have impact in terms of power. Uh, I don't think so. Okay. I, some people have disagreed with me on that. There will be some power. It's not like he's going to be a slap hitter, but um, I don't. He's kind of slender shoulders, and he's more of a hard contact to all fields kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really sell out for power. Okay, so so uh, so that's Colin Moran. We'll, we'll be able to see him. If there, I doubt that there's there aren't really Marlins fans, so there's not really going to be <laughs> anyone interested. But maybe someone wants to uh, have. But it feels to be excited about him. Yeah. Right. All right. So Colin Mar- Colin Moran, we're going to see. That's this is uh, one person we've identified. Uh, who yeah, who else? Uh, give, me, give me another name. The guys who immediately pop into my head are guys for next year, uh, also staying in North Carolina, but North Carolina State has two guys who could be top five picks next year, um, Carlos Rodon and Trey Turner, the shortstop. Yes, I know. I know. I've actually one. yes, I, because I I like Carlos Rodon's slider quite a bit, so I've uh, actually mm. seen him pitch quite a few times. Yeah, uh, I think I saw you post a uh, gif, right? Oh Did yes. You, oh, I, <laughs> yeah. I'm not afraid of doing that. But tell me your 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 general thoughts on Rodon because I as I know that um, I've heard pretty uh, disparate reports and I've actually seen him uh, throwing at all different velocities with his fastball. I don't know yeah, if maybe I saw well, him once early in the season. Down spring. Okay, uh, yeah, I, I did see him actually in May too, up at Boston College. Um, but he was bothered by a groin or hamstring or something, something lower body, and he just wasn't 100. percent all right. uh, still, still very good. <laughs> still, uh, he got hit around a little bit, but his command was really the issue. Stuff still flashed very, very well. And last year, very dominant. He went to over to the uh, handball tournament in the Netherlands with Team USA last summer, and he really dominated. He was by far the best prospect on the team. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's exciting. 
So, Rodon, and Trey Turner has uh, otherworldly speed. I know that. Yeah, fantastic athlete. And uh, but is he more? Is he more than just speed? Is he? He's a shortstop. Is he going to stick there? Uh, I would think so. I, I didn't get a long look at him, but um, you know, obviously, there's skills he can improve upon. But he has all the tools to play there. Okay, and uh, if not, he's played a lot of other places as well too. He can play that athleticism a lot of places. Right, and we should say, uh, or I, I should say, I haven't had the schedule right here before me. Uh, UNC and NC State actually play each other. Uh, the, it's one of the that's one of the first games of the tournament, um, and UNC is, is ranked overall number one. Okay, so we have uh, Colin Moran, um, Carlos Rodon, Trey Turner. If if a guy, whether he's been drafted or not, that's fine. Uh, maybe uh, maybe one more guy, maybe one more guy here. Sure, uh, LSU is in there. They're the four seed. Uh, they have. Some guys who went pretty high, um, Ryan Eads went uh, the Twins, and he's a big pitcher with uh, some good stuff. Uh, Jacoby Jones was their second baseman. He might end up in the outfield, but he really dominated on the Cape. Very, very lively athlete. He's fun to watch. He went to the Pirates. Okay. Um, There's some other guys, and they also have actually the other guy from. Um, they have some guys for next year too. Louisville has a great program too. They're in there, uh, but there's lots and lots of talent to see. You, you mentioned a couple times here uh, the Cape. Uh, I, I had seen a thing, uh, a, a fact, a fact uh, from the Cape Cod Times with regard to uh, the draft. Mm-hmm. I think it was some. Uh, I think 11, 11 of the first rounders uh, who were selected uh, in the in the draft that just occurred uh, were mm-hmm. from uh, were from. I had played in the Cape League at one point, um, and I think nearly a third of uh, nearly a third of all of the players in the first ten rounds uh, had actually played in the Cape League before, which I guess is made even more exceptional that fact by um, when you realize that probably you know half or some percentage at least of the players in those first two rounds um, are high schoolers, and right. so you know it's it's an even more significant percentage. Um, you mentioned a, you mentioned a couple of players who have played. Um, and I want and uh, for, for uh, on Cape League teams who are playing in this year's College World Series. Um, now uh, I want to ask you a, a couple of questions about the Cape League. Of course, the season just started on Wednesday, mm-hmm. um, which is exciting. Uh, I, I went back to last year's Cape, and I was wondering if we we might just consider um, some of the best players from the from the Cape last year, and yeah. what what their status is right now, where they ended up. I know that certainly the sort of uh, the y- unanimously the best pitcher last year was um, Indiana State's Sean Manaya. Yeah. Uh, at the time, he was regarded as having an excellent fastball and uh, good secondary stuff as well. Uh, but he somehow slipped to the 30s or something. I think. He um, it, it was all health concerns though, um, and obviously he had a short track record compared to a lot of guys. So teams wanted to see him have a great spring, and he was kind of up and down with. Um, First hip, and then I think he had a little shoulder issue, but mostly hip. So it was mostly injury related. Then, Do, mm-hmm. is there is it hard then to parse his uh, performance, his peak performance, or what could possibly be his peak performance from what was actually seen during the course of the college season? Yeah, uh, I would say so. Definitely, for area scouts, have a lot of trouble with that. Especially, they don't get to see every you know start, so they might see him like six or seven times, and then have to go see some high school kid you know, a couple hours away one Friday. And if he's unhealthy, you know, all spring like that, um, not 100%, you may not get the best views of him. 
And like I said, he wasn't a guy who was a major prep name. Uh, he came to the Cape and kind of exploded his stock. So people were, I don't want to say skeptical, but they'd like to see more of a track record. And the price wasn't cheap. was a big factor. I believe he's a Scott Boris client. Right, okay. And so, and he was taken by the Royals then? Yes. Right. Now, I've heard mentioned, and I'm interested for your thoughts on this, uh, of course, Manaya, we know, uh, intriguing. We could say he's he's intriguing. He's shown uh, um, some excellent stuff, uh, but also, as you mentioned, um, prospect evaluators, talent evaluators might be a little bit skeptical, too, just because the track record is rather short. Uh, anecdotally speaking, the Royals do not necessarily have a great track record of taking high-profile pitchers and turning them into great major leaguers. Right. Especially left-handers recently. Right. And so <laughs> and so I guess the question is, I mean, what what are your thoughts on that those things combined you know do we do we just do we know enough about the royals developing pitchers to say conclusively that this may not be a great matchup um and well, also we, i mean the royals took him so they must have some optimism about it sure i mean i think it was a great pick i'll say that for that area great value uh if he's unhealthy i mean i mean if he's not healthy it is what it is i i haven't seen the medical so i couldn't really say you know but um if they think he can be healthy then sure uh, and he was, I heard he was a bit of a workout warrior, does a lot of lower body and um, ab stuff. So I'm optimistic that the hip won't be an issue for him. Uh, as for development-wise, the Royals kind of changed what they were doing halfway through the Dayton Moore administration, I'm pretty sure. Uh, redid the pitching program. Not, I mean, it's so hard to point fingers at things like that. Some things work for certain guys, some things don't. Um I, I will just stay optimistic on it. He's a good arm, you know. Right, and I guess that, that you know you draft a good arm, and uh, the, I, it was just a question of there being so many variables. It's it's difficult to, uh, mm. to say conclusively, and of course injury risk, right? I mean, right. Uh, this is a thing that exists. Um, uh, so that's uh, uh, that was Sean Manaya. He was uh, like I said, pretty pretty much regarded unanimously as the top pitcher last year. Uh, you could say different, uh, depending how you want to go about it. Uh, there are a couple of different ways you could discuss hitters. Um, we could discuss best overall hitter. We could discuss, uh, you know, who, who the MVP sure. of the league was, uh, top, top hitter. Yeah. I think I think Phil Irvin was was named the MVP among hitters, wasn't he? Um, I mean, I'm not even sure. I know Pat Biondi won the um, batting title. Okay, so who's Pat Biondi? He's a Michigan. He was a senior. He's out of Michigan, uh, University of Michigan, and uh, he went to the Mets. Uh, small guy, controls strike zone really well, uh, very hard to strike out, and a uh, very good defensive outfielder, runs well. Okay, and he's an outfielder? Mm-hmm. And it, it, now, obviously, uh, we know with regard to, to hitting or leading a league in batting average that that could, uh, you know, that that's going to be seriously influenced by uh, batting average and ball in play, mm-hmm. balls in play. Um, there are other things that contribute to batting average. Do, do we sense that do we sense that he was maybe skewing more towards... I mean, it's not luck in the sense that he did it, but do, what do we think about his ability to reproduce those sorts of results, I guess? Well, he's got an ability to put the barrel on the ball. I think he'll hit as a pro. I don't think he's going to win any batting titles. I don't think it's any sort of overwhelming profile where he definitely profiles as a starter, uh, but he certainly will have a chance. And he was a nice sign because cheaper coming. He went back for his fourth year. But yeah. uh, the Cape also had very, it, it's unfair to point this way because it, it, it applied for everyone, but they were very, the balls were, there's a lot of theories the balls were juiced last year. The home run totals were 
astronomical compared to previous years, and uh, very offensive leaning league last year. Right, and it's not usually that way, I assume, because uh, the wood bats, of course, uh, play a factor mm-hmm. in that, and most of these players haven't done a lot of work with uh, with wood bats. Right. And uh, I don't know if the just the Cape generally. It's I mean, obviously, it's close to the ocean. I don't know if that mm-hmm. uh, if there's heavy air heavy air situation. Uh, if that would affect it, but um, um, but yeah, typically the the offensive uh, environment's pretty pretty uh, low. Definitely, yeah, yeah. means with pitcher. But last year, I think Harwich destroyed the home run record for a team. Uh, they had a lot of talent, of course, too. But it's nothing crazy. But you might want to add on like an extra twenty percent, fifteen percent to offense. Very very heavy offense here last year. Balls just flying, especially batting practice, just ridiculous. Now let's uh, let's uh, uh, now Conrad Gregor uh, was another player who hit very well last year. Yep. Uh, Conrad Gregor, I think he was on Vanderbilt. Is that yes, the truth? Was. Yep. All right. And now is he has he been drafted? Yeah, he went to the Astros. He's a he's a pretty good player. He I heard he had a down spring, but he um, I only watched Vanderbilt on TV a couple times. He um, really controlled the strike zone well. Uh, very mature approach. Wouldn't look ridiculous, you know, at advanced levels of the minors right now, just because he has such a great knowledge of the strike zone. Very tough out, works and waits for his pitch. Um, doesn't have tremendous in-game power. Looks a little better in BT, and uh, he's a hitter, first base only guy, but you know, pretty good there too. And then, yeah, it looks like also uh, Phil Irvin did have a pretty exciting season. And Phil Ir- or Irvin, I should Absolutely. say, Phil Irvin was from not necessarily what you consider a top flight program. It's something. No. Where was he from? Yeah. Stanford. Right, which is different than Stanford. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, um, and yet uh, he was uh, he really acquitted himself nicely uh, in, during last year's Cape. Um, I think probably one of the, overall one of the better home run hitters in the league. And I think maybe he could play center field. Although I don't know if that's the case either. Uh, I think so. He's a very good athlete. Runs well, and uh, his instincts even let all play up in center field. And what team I don't did think he? He, sort of government. he went to the Reds in the first. He went to the Reds in the first round. So yeah. we, we mentioned a couple of guys here. Manaya was uh, uh, sort of right in that. I think he's, he's end of the first round mm-hmm. supplemental area. Right. Um, Con- Conrad Gregor, uh, uh, good hitter, but uh, maybe limited defensively, so fell to the fourth round. Uh, and now we have Irvin though in the first round going to the Reds. Yeah, personal favorite of mine too. Really, really can hit. Very, very fast bat, fast hands. You can't get a fastball by the guy. Now, uh, you're going to be looking at, um, let's see, you're going to be looking this uh, this year, you're going to be going to, to a number of Cape games, I assume. Mm-hmm. And uh, just uh, what are a couple names uh, who, um, you're excited to, or a couple players you're excited to see this year? I try to keep it open, um, not get, you know, preconceived notions in my mind. makes it a little harder, but I see a lot of names on the roster, try to... Uh, um, stay on top of who the big guys are, so I get some video of them in particular. Uh, they've only played basically one day so far. It started Wednesday, but there was a lot of rain. So you said yeah. uh, that you like to keep an open mind. That, um, that's interesting to me. I mean, you also say you, you want to make sure you get certain guys on video. But right. is the idea that you try, uh, when you go, you sort of try and uh, watch the game and let things come to you a little bit? Is that the idea? Yeah, I try not to read up too much. Uh, otherwise, it's not, you know... You end up with these preconceived notions in your mind. It kind of slants your opinion of guys. 
And the idea is that you want to uh, evaluate them with a clean slate for the most part. Right. Now, uh, now, do you is it a problem if you're if because if you're looking at a field maybe during well batting practice you have some idea who's batting or during fielding practice and then during the game I mean is it is it overwhelming or are you sort of able to to parse it? Uh, um, well, the cape is pretty overwhelming. <laughs> the, the cape generally. Yeah, I mean the guys are up and down the roster. There might be like 16 guys to watch. You know, it's 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 a bit much. Um, it's it's a big contrast from the spring where I, I might go to a high school or college game, particularly high school where there's just one guy I'm watching. So you know I can take like two innings off there, just watch him play defense. And what you what do you use uh, in terms of where you sit? Where are you are you going to uh, sit behind the plate? Or are you going to find some other place? Um, I usually sit behind the plate. If, if, if well, it depends if I'm there for pitcher or for position players. Um, I like to move around, but I'll sit behind the plate in particular for two innings. Then I'll move like one inning at first, one inning at third. Uh, move around a little bit, get different views, and I also move around with my camera to try to get some shots of them digging, you know, infield between innings, and I like to get side views of the pitchers. And you use the, uh, you go to the westernmost uh, uh, field usually, is that right? I try to. Um, That's Wareham? Is that Wareham? Uh, Wareham, yeah. Oh, Wareham. Wareham? Yeah, yeah, they do that, yeah. <laughs> I know it seems uh, counterintuitive, but yes. So you usually go to Wareham? I used to in the past. More recent years, I've been kind of spreading out based on pitching matchups more often. Uh, but it's it's nice. Wareham is on this side of the bridge to the Cape, right like, towards me. So it's a much shorter trip. Right. Everything it, else is fifteen or must, uh, you know fifteen more minutes. Right. It, yeah. What are the best? Uh, so I've only been out there to um, to two games. I've seen a game in Orleans. I've seen a game in Katuit, yeah, I guess. Katuit. Uh, um, what what are, I know that you know these are not necessarily world class facilities generally speaking. I mean, for, you know, mm, many of them high school fields. Frequently they're high school fields, right? But are there right. any facilities that are sort of uh, more built up than others, or more comfortable, say, for a spectator than others? Um, well, Orleans is very nice. Uh, Chatham is a nice place for fans to watch a game. Not so much for scouts. Uh, there's no roped off section or anything for the most part and it's got these strange steep inclined rising um like benches <laughs> very hard to describe uh it's, it's a strange little setting but it's a fun place to watch a game i like Bourne. uh wareham is very built up i mean there's there's a lot of nice sites i know they just put a lot of work into go to it so interested to see what they did oh yeah that's right i read that there were so i know that there had been some uh facilities that were Modified a little bit over the uh, the off season, and so Katua was one of them. I'm pretty sure I saw they put in a lot of might just be stands. I, I don't know what the deal was, but and uh, you know bathrooms, uh, concession stands, etc. Well, uh, well, thank you, Al. Uh, it's uh, been a pleasure talking to you. Always fun. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. That is uh, Al's group of uh, Fangraphs, Bullpen Banter, mm-hmm. uh, Rhode Island. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm Carson Sestouli, and this has been Fangraphs Audio.